we have seen silver can end gold continue to sell off, which is largely in tandem, as you might expect with the U.S. dollar chart. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on a Thursday morning as we dig into the latest in the silver market and some of the other economic developments that are happening out there. And as you are likely well aware, unfortunately, the silver price, again, lower on the day, continuing the sell-off that's gone back uh, almost three weeks now. You can see back here on May 5th, we were over $26.00. And in the time since then, as we've watched the debt ceiling draw closer and also the Fed see its probability of a rate hike increase in its June meeting grow as priced in by the Fed futures, we have seen silver can and gold continue to sell off, which is largely in tandem, as you might expect with the U.S. dollar chart. We take a look at the one month chart. You can see. Back in early May, uh, peaked a little bit, then came back in down to about 101 and has had a rally up to the current level of 104.20. And basically, if you take a look, you see almost the inverse here where while the dollar index was selling off in early May, that's when you had the peak in silver and Silver coming down along with the rise in the dollar index since then, with a lot of the attention focused on the debt ceiling, which should it end up being passed, one of the things that we would expect to see is a large debt issuance right after it is passed so that the government can continue spending money, which means that a supply of dollars coming out of the financial system going into the treasury, which has contributed to this dollar rally. We've also seen a spike in yields, which makes sense given that you're going to have a new, large new issuance of debt. And as a result, we have seen the bond market selling off with yields rising in advance of that. So taking a look at the Fed futures probability, this has been growing pretty steadily. A couple of weeks ago, it was priced in at almost 0% after the Fed's last meeting, and it has grown quite a bit. Yesterday, it was around 27%. Today, on Thursday, we see the odds of a rate hike to the five and a quarter, five and a half level up to 43.6%. So market certainly pricing in an increased probability that the Fed may not be done as we look a little bit farther out, future is still pricing in a rate cut as of November, another rate cut in the December meeting, which probably would require some more banking issues, which again, if they do raise rates, would perhaps facilitate more banking issues. Certainly, we've seen the pressure on the banking sector earlier this year, as a lot of the mortgages and treasuries they bought when interest rates were still down around zero have been losing values. And as the rates go up further, that puts more pressure on the banking sector. And it's really just the timing of some of these things that are unknown. Will that really facilitate more problems in banking later this year? You would think so, but is it also possible at the same time that that gets pushed out or papered over into 2024? Certainly possible. So I think that we will be seeing those rates coming down, but might take a significant event to see that happen in 2023. But we will keep an eye on it for you. In terms of debt ceiling news, we did have a development on Thursday morning as Fitch, one of the three major rating agencies, has put U.S. debt on warning for a downgrade. 
Fitch announced late Wednesday night it had placed the United States AAA status on rating watch negative. Again, the U.S. government debt does have a AAA rating from Fitch and Moody's. It was downgraded by S&P during a debt similar debt ceiling showdown back in August of 2011. S&P did downgrade their debt. And we'll just wait and see how things progress over the next week. Does not seem as if a deal is any closer. Basically the same issues that they have been debating and fighting over for the past couple of months seem to be ongoing this week. And now as we get closer, we see Fitch putting the U.S. debt on watch for a downgrade. And again, one of the problems with the whole situation is that whether the debt ceiling ultimately gets lifted or not, which most likely it will, you still haven't solved, not you, but the government still has not solved the underlying issue, which is the skyrocketing debt loads and some of the ancillary effects such as the interest expense, which is set to exceed $700 billion by November, could be in excess of defense spending. When you take a look down here, you see the borrowing costs of the U.S. Treasury that has really started to spike with these higher interest rates. And certainly as more debt is issued, on pace to continue increasing, we'll see what things look like by 2025, although certainly not headed in the right direction. And not an ideal trajectory. This is, again, one of the issues that brought me into gold and silver and has brought many other people into gold and silver because you see this chart, similar to the debt chart, not heading in the right direction. And even talking about getting some cuts during this current showdown met with a lot of resistance. So while it's possible upon a resolution that we could see a sell-off in gold and silver, certainly in terms of the longer-term picture, um, the trend of more spending, more debt, certainly headed in an unfortunate direction. Now, taking a look at silver, here is the weekly transparent silver holdings, thank COMEX, SLV, the other ETFs. And you can see the blue line here, which shows that, again, since last March and April, when the interest rate hikes started getting underway, I think of this often as the institutional interest in silver, which has come down as evidenced in the blue line. Different picture that we've seen in gold, where during the gold rally, we've seen a lot of inflows on the institutional side into the gold market. Again, has not happened yet in silver. Even as the price has rallied throughout the fall of 2022, dipped early in the first part of 2023 before rallying again ahead of that recent dip. And if we take a look at the COMEX open interest chart, you can see that open interest had been growing quite a bit as the price got up to $26. We've seen it come back down to about 135,000 contracts as we are recording today on May 25th. And we've seen the price sell off along with that. If you also take a look at the COT positioning, here you can see the commercials in the blue line, which again has increased on the price rally, came in a bit last week, and the expectation would be that we would see a further decrease in the commercial and bank positioning this week, because if you look back at the price for this week's report, which will cover the, Mar the May 16th to 23rd period, here we see on the 16th, silver just under $24, and on the 23rd, got as low as $23.43. And my guess is that we will continue to see some short covering. 
Here from the COTV port, you see the swap dealer, which is the banks. They were short 9,000 contracts. They reduced 3,871 short positions the previous week, added 2,275 longs. And we will see tomorrow on Friday how that picture looks. But I would imagine we will see a decrease in that short position by the banks. Now, at the same time, something that is worth keeping an eye on, there has been some withdrawals, in fact, some large withdrawals from the Shanghai Futures Exchange in these silver stocks. And the withdrawal on Tuesday of 144,000 kilograms was the single largest outflow in the 10 years since the silver was listed there. Now, keep in mind, you see that we are still at just over 1,500 tons. Although if you take a look a bit further back on the chart, you can see that it has, similar to how we've seen with the COMEX registered silver inventory, that if you go back farther, there are periods where it has been lower. And here you can see back in 2019, the inventory was below the 1,500 tons and maybe a different environment here as this is in the early days of the Shanghai Futures Exchange silver trading. So again, just want to put that in context, but certainly something to keep an eye on at the same time that we've seen the withdrawals from the LBMA and the COMEX registered stockpile. And Bai Zhao Jun on Twitter, who goes under Oriental underscore ghost, has been providing some daily updates there, which you may find helpful. And we will definitely keep an eye on that here going forward on the show, in addition to the other stockpiles. And in terms of some other news, a few other stories before we wrap up. Here we have 30 countries now ready to accept the BRICS currency obviously already includes Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, which who have been talking plenty about their desire to not be as tied to the U.S. dollar as the previous arrangement around the globe had been. And they have a meeting coming up in August where, according to one report, as many as 25 countries are interested in joining the BRICS. And we see Afghanistan, Algeria, Argentina, Bahrain, Bangladesh, Belarus, Egypt, Indonesia, Iran, Kazakhstan, Mexico, Nicaragua, Nigeria, Pakistan, perhaps most significantly Saudi Arabia, and also Senegal, Sudan, Syria, the United Arab Emirates, Thailand, Tunisia, Turkey, Uruguay, Venezuela, and Zimbabwe. So not that far off, and certainly will be interesting to see who does end up joining the BRICS as that move towards de-dollarization continues. We also have seen a group of 10 countries in the Asian alliance that are interested in ditching the dollar as well, which includes Brunei, Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos, Malaysia, Myanmar, Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam in terms of countries that are looking at similar policies to what is being done with the BRICS. So you start to get to that point where it's no longer a small list of countries that are looking for some sort of alternative system. Again, interestingly, we've seen in the U.S. that many of the states are passing gold and silver policies, whether to remove taxes or to accept gold and silver as payment, or even in Texas, where they're looking at a gold-backed digital currency. So certainly an interesting time that we're living in at the same time that the debt ceiling is seemingly in the process of being raised again and the spending continues. So does that mean that this shift is going to happen tomorrow? No, yet perhaps the impetus to develop something that is not so tied to the U.S. dollar growing by the day. And another one of the things that we will keep an eye on going forward with the show. 
few last notes before we wrap up a story that some of you may have seen that some of the banks that had been prosecuted for silver price fixing did get a dismissal of the case. This time it includes HSBC, Scotiabank, and Deutsche Bank. Obviously, Deutsche Bank had those trader transcripts that came out back in 2016 when Deutsche Bank settled for $38 million, although the ruling here was that investors did not show it was plausible as opposed to merely possible that distorted pricing affected their trades, said any damages were too speculative, and this lawsuit was dismissed with prejudice, meaning it cannot be brought again. So just an update on some of the legal happenings regarding silver price fixing, and we put this in the category of the difference between what can be proven beyond a shadow of doubt in a courtroom versus some of the things that actually happen. And certainly if you've ever gone through some of those Deutsche Bank trader transcripts where you see them talking about smashing the price, bragging about it, talking about how they're a silver mafia and that going on in between banks, whether that was sufficient evidence for a conviction. Apparently that was not the case here, although it was the case with JP Morgan last year. Yet still, I think that speaks a lot to what has happened in some of these situations with the silver market. Which again, worth pointing out that even despite JP Morgan being charged and some of their traders convicted, JP Morgan Chase controls 53% of all precious metals contracts held by banks. And obviously, we've seen the impact that the COMEX paper trading has on the price and how usually when the price rises as the hedge funds start getting in, you see that short position by the banks increase, which is off often followed by a decrease in the price, which we're seeing right now as well. So perhaps not the ideal way that the system is could be set up yet unfortunately is the way it works and in net seems like overall a bit of a fragile system that is set up but that's why we track a lot of the things that i mentioned in today's video or other videos and how that will all play out so we'll keep an eye on it here for you as always and in wrapping up just wanted to pass along some news that came out today from fortuna silver as they did achieve their first gold pour last night at their Seguela Gold Project in Cote d'Ivoire. Obviously, we have talked quite a bit about that on the show. And during our calls with Fortuna Silver, they were aiming for first gold pour in the first half of 2023. And last night, they did achieve that. So congratulations to Fortuna Silver, especially as they've kept their project on time and on budget. Certainly no easy feat in the inflationary environment we're living in but they have now started pouring gold there and looking for 60 to 75,000 ounces of gold in the remainder of 2023 at an all-in sustaining cost of 880 to $1,080 per gold ounce. So congratulations to Fortuna. Link to that press release is in the description field below. Going to wrap up for now, but thanks as always for being here. And we'll see you again tomorrow with Rafi's Weekly Silver Report.